welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney, Executive Director of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Labor Vision, a production of the Institute, focuses on topics of importance to working Rhode Islanders. We hope you enjoy this edition. Labor Vision, the at-home edition. Labor Vision is a production of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. I'm your host, Erica Hammond, and on today's segment, we'll be addressing an ongoing crisis plaguing not only Rhode Island, but the nation as a whole, and more specifically and more significantly, the building and construction trades industry, the opioid epidemic. And here to help me do so is President of the Rhode Island Building and Construction Trades Council and Business Manager and Secretary Treasurer of the Rhode Island Laborers District Council, Michael Sabatoni. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Good morning, Erica. Thank you for having me. All right. And I appreciate you taking the time too. I know that you have a very busy schedule and there's a lot going on right now. So thank you for joining us for this. No, it's a very important subject matter. So I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you. Absolutely. Now, I know that the conversation around the opioid epidemic, specifically in the Construction Trades Council and how it's hitting and impacting it so significantly, it's been a conversation that's being had in Rhode Island for a long time, um, for multiple years now. And I know that I've been to a few of those Lunch and Learn seminars that you guys have been doing for the last few years. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you talk about how this conversation all began? Well, we were right at the uh, uh, at the onset of this uh, crisis. We were we were at it uh, right at the beginning, just due to the nature of the uh, the services that the men and women that we represent in the construction industry provide. Usually itself, unfortunately, from time to time, where people get uh, bumps and bruises, and uh, you know there are uh, issues where uh, we need to uh, mitigate pain uh, in our industry, and uh, and so our industry was you know which had really adversely affected by this crisis uh, right at the onslaught. So uh, well, we, we recognized it right away and, uh, and that's why uh, we've been addressing the issues with, uh, with the Launch and Learn seminars and, uh, and a whole bunch of different approaches that we've taken that are a departure from the way that the industry might have dealt with a crisis like this or, or addiction like this in the past and have had a sea change in our industry on, on how to deal with it out of necessity. Because numbers right. show us that, uh, unfortunately, last year, one in four, think about this, one in four of the opioid deaths uh, in Massachusetts and Rhode Island was a construction worker. Wow. That's pretty alarming. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that um, a, it goes hand in hand with addressing the problem, addressing the stigma is education. So through mm -hmm. these Lunch and Learn seminars, I know you've been educating not only uh, labor management project uh, managers, business representatives, members, myself, who's not in the construction industry um, at all, just in labor. So you guys have opened this up to all of labor. Can you talk about the importance of these seminars and educating such a broad uh, population of people? So well, one of the things I think, obviously, <clears throat> we wanted to figure out was, okay, we identified the problem, we educated ourselves and got the best of the best, the professionals, uh, uh, you know, cast a wide net of people that come in and speak to us about what's going on and the trends in the industry, from the medical field, from first responders, from training instructors, uh, you know, you name it, we had uh, people come in and, and address uh, uh, these seminars and, and, and the people that we've invited to address the issue. 
but all of that is good and all and gathering all that information, all that knowledge is, is fantastic. But then you're going to need an action plan. And what are we going to do with all this information? And how are we going to turn the tide on the numbers that I just mentioned? And right. what, what was the real action plan that came out of it was the, the education portion of it. So uh, identifying what the problems are and the trends and, and, and compiling all that information and bringing all these professionals in and then setting a game plan and, 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 and what we're going to do to combat it was the real uh, uh, you know, necessity of how, of how we were going to turn this tide. And I've always known that the only way I believe to, to, to stem the tide, not only in the construction industry, but I think in society as a whole, is mm -hmm. continuing education, mm -hmm. pitfalls and how easy it is to get from here to there, uh, especially in this crisis with the type of, uh, uh, you know, uh, drugs that you see that are out on the street right now, where you can stop... With a, with a, you know, with a little prescription for something, for, for, some, for some ailment, and from here to, you know, purchasing something, unfortunately, at a bad batch on the street is not a long distance. It's a very, very short right. time from here to there. So yeah. education and, and really, and, and here's the other thing that we've noticed, and we, because of our, our uniqueness in the construction industry, has to do with safety and health and welfare and all the other things that we do. Education has to be constant. Safety has to be constant. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, educating our members about the pitfalls of, of potentially getting into uh, uh, that, that downward spiral, and maybe even that death spiral, uh, is constant. You have to continually do it. You can't just do it once and forget it. It has to be like anything else that we do in safety on our, on our job sites. Because the first day on a job site that you'll become complacent, with safety or anything else is usually the day that something happens. So we've taken that same game plan and that approach uh, with the opioid crisis. And I got to give a lot of credit to the, the contractors as well, because uh, you know, it's no more like years ago to sweep it under the rug or if someone mm -hmm. has, a, you know, they might be blackballed in the industry or don't hire that person because they've got issues. You know, we actually had to make it so that our members, their mm -hmm. employees feel comfortable removing the stigma that, that we know that this is an addiction and we know that it's a, 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 an illness that they could come forward and we've got, you know, all, all kinds of resources available to our members to help them uh, get where they need to get. So uh, it's, it's been a huge sea change, uh, especially in the construction industry. I'm proud of it, but still, we have a lot of work to do because, you know, the one thing that this COVID pandemic has done it's actually pushed the opioid stories maybe off, I'll even say to the, to the back of the paper, even out of the paper because everything's mm -hmm. a pandemic. But mm -hmm. things are worse than ever. Right. We're on, I know for a fact, right, that 2020 we're on trend to be the highest right. um, opioid-related overdose death. I think yeah. May and June were the deadliest months we've ever had. And, and, and probably no, not a lot of people even realize that because Obviously, first and foremost is the, you know, the real crisis at hand is, is the pandemic with the, with the immediate, but they're both crises. So, you Absolutely. Know, We're dealing with two epidemics right, at once right now. Right. And, and the other thing I think that's even lending itself, and I don't know this, and I'm, I'd be interesting to see, or interested to see some of the statistics is what, what effect is the pandemic having on the, uh, on the opioid crisis? Oh, yeah. They're home, they're depressed, they're, you know. Mm -hmm. 
anxiety is up, concern, you know, just, yeah, there's just all kinds of pressure mm -hmm. uh, on, on families right now and people. So if you already have an addiction, I'm, I'm sure right. concern of this pandemic and, and how you're paying your rent and going to provide for your family, it's, it's, it's got to be worse. So maybe those numbers are up. Yeah. So now uh, more than ever, I know that we're going to talk a little bit more about that, the COVID impact that it's had um, in a few minutes, but I know that um, one of the important, it's it, now more than ever, we need to be having these conversations and really implementing the all of the work that you guys have been doing. Um, so can you talk about some of the different topics of these Lunch and Learn seminars and what conversations have been happening in them? Oh, we, I mean, you name it, we've talked about it. We've talked about uh, uh, you know, we've even had Narcan training. Uh, we've had um, uh, first responders that come in with, with the safe um, uh, uh, procedures that the firehouses do, where you can walk into the firehouses and they help you not only just stabilize you, but then get you into treatment. Right. The safe stations, right? Is that what it is? Yes, yeah, safe stations. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've had uh, uh, a peer to peer recovery uh, specialists come in and talk about their programs and how we're. They're doing the outreach and uh, as well as uh, you, you can rather than talk to me if you don't want to talk to me as the manager or even maybe there's someone uh, of a clinical psychologist or someone of that nature where you can actually talk to a, a you know a member to member someone that's walked in your shoes we've had uh, you know we've had so many speakers and you know what's really uh, I, I found interesting was there's so many different areas of subject matter that you can speak about on this We've had people that have come in through the drug courts because of the stigma of, no, oh, I don't want to get caught. I want to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of, I want to say barriers that we have to uh, eliminate. Just come forward and feel comfortable if they have an addiction or if they have this illness to mm -hmm. help. So that was one of the things that I think that came out of that seminar was that every one of these presentations at the end of the day had uh, you know, the same goal in mind, which was to get people where they need to be to right. help to turn this thing around. It wasn't, you know, so, and that's, that's been a sea change as well from, well, you know, the attitudes, especially again, where, you know, realizing that, that, that it's an illness and it's an addiction and it's not, you know, just someone's just got to have it in there, you know, they're just out there because they got to have it. That's, you know, so even that education process for people to understand that this is truly is an illness and, and it needs to be dealt with in that manner and remove those, the stigma of someone mm -hmm. having an addiction so mm -hmm. they come forth and, and seek help, whether through their union hall or through their employer or through the state or through you know any of the programs that we have available is what we're really trying to get out there, not only to our members, but I think to the general public, come forward, we will help you. Mm -hmm. And I know that the, there's such a big, an importance in having these conversations, not only um, at a, a seminar, like the Lunch and Learn seminars, but in union meetings, um, through apprenticeship programs, um, normalizing the conversation on job sites about the problem and this, crisis you know when if someone's using they have these slight moments of clarity and if they are very easily able to feel comfortable talking to a peer or talking to say their steward or their uh, business manager or business representative they they may be able to have that moment of clarity and actually act on it but if they're 
too nervous to lose their job or too nervous to, you know what I mean? It, it, it makes it that much harder to then look for that help when it's not already readily there. So having these conversations, I feel like is so important. Normalizing. Excuse me. And there's an, there's an education to the rest of our membership as well. With, um, you know, to remove the, 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 the stigma that someone might squeal or someone might rat out, someone will call it, the person, someone, someone might be off, mm-hmm. but want to get involved and doesn't, you know, where well, we've got to even educate the rest of our membership, our foremans, our stewards, our competent uh, uh, people on, uh, on the projects as well. Yeah. You're not hurting that person. You're not helping that person if you know that they might be off. But but you just avoid it because you don't want to get either get involved or you think you might be doing something mm-hmm. in the old stigma of of of, of rat on somebody or squealing on somebody. You go try to help them and bring them along if you know that they're impaired. If you know that there are issues that that we need you to get involved to an extent to just try and coach them to get to some place where they need to get. Because it's life or death now. It's not like it's not like years ago where I, I mean, when I was growing, I don't remember when I was growing up that you know, you had, if you went out and whatever your vice was out on the street, that you'd end up, you know, and and right. big numbers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and now, sorry. The other thing too that we've got on the job sites, and I thought we'd never see this and again, and and I give the testament to the uh, to the contractors of buying into this. We've actually got Narcan in, uh, in, on construction trailers now, just in case. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've had uh, a few instances over the last uh, 12 months of, uh, of overdoses. Uh, on sites, right? So wow. that, it's, it is there. And, you know, again, I'm proud that we're hitting it head on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's constant, but it's definitely a problem. And it's not just in our industry. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, in all, it's all throughout society. Mm-hmm. I think it's important, too, that... Of course, unfortunately, it had to be used, but the fact you're, it's realistic. You know, you know the problem is there, you know it's happening, so being ready for it um, uh-huh. is important. And I know and, that- and you're, I know you're gonna be doing a segment later on some of the trainings that we've done. Mm-hmm. So even like when I was talking about the education a few minutes or so ago. So one of the big things that we've done that I think that's, that's really important as well is actually having these conversations on the job site at the toolbox talks embedded into our site safety orientation programs they're embedded in our apprenticeship programs now in our in our entry level they're embedded in our journeyman upgrade programs as well there's segments on you know god forbid if you get hurt or what have you and if you find yourself you know you need to mitigate pain and this this and this you know you really need to pay attention so that you don't go from here to here so single touch that we've got with our members on the job site at the union hall at the union meetings at our orientation programs with the contractors our journeyman upgrades our apprenticeship programs there's a piece portion on this subject matter in every single one and it's going to be there for the foreseeable and we probably even increase the amount of time uh and uh an effort we spend on this subject matter because uh, of the numbers that we see out in the industry. Absolutely. It, ha- it has to be addressed head on like that. Right. Um, so I know that you mentioned too before uh, member assistance programs. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about some of the member assistance programs that you guys offer and have in the construction trades? <coughs> There's a wide array of them. Each individual organization, international union, 
local unions through their health and welfare plans have various uh, member assistance programs. Uh, you know, we run a pretty large one here uh, through the Laborers Health and Welfare Plan. Uh, and, um, you know, any member of, of any local union in the building trades uh, can uh, call uh, either the local union hall, there's, there's information in the halls, pamphlets where you can just walk in and pick them up. They're on our websites. Uh, we send out periodic notices in our publications from our health and welfare plan. Hey, if you're having a problem, you know, here's the number. It's confidential. Uh, and we spend a lot of money on these programs uh, as well. And what we do find is if we can get our members to those programs, the success rates are pretty damn good. Yeah. It's getting them there. Because and, and so we make the inf information available in the foyer so that someone might not want to come into my office and sit and say, you know, Mike, I've been having some problems, you know, gee, I, I might need some help, which I get. You know, if you want my help, I'm here. I'll drive you there myself if I have to. But, you know, the, people don't want uh, people to know their business. I understand that. They want the confidentiality. So however you get there, I don't care. But every single uh, local union in the building trades has, has their own member assistance program. And then we've got relationships as a, as a building trade council as a whole with various groups where we can even still uh, uh, refer people uh, into the programs because of we're, we're, we're in the marketplace, unfortunately. So we've got relationships with Butler and Phoenix House and you, know, you name it. We've got all kinds of, uh, of relationships and programs where if we need to get someone help right away, we can. So we do it individually and then we pool all of our collective resources, whatever it takes to get, I don't care if it's one person, uh, a day, if we can steer one person a day into, into that, in, in, in that direction, then, then we've accomplished something. Absolutely. Now, these member assistance programs, are they, in a crisis like this, it's not just affecting the members, right, or affecting the employees or employers, it's affecting such a, it's a ripple effect, right? So it's affecting their families, their friends. Right. Are, are these member assistance programs like counseling, these things that family members are able to? Absolutely, absolutely. So if there's a, uh, a, a young child, a spouse, or any family member for that matter, we don't turn anybody away because the family, if something's affecting the family unit, it's gonna affect our, our member as well. And um, most of our programs, like for instance, my health and welfare plan happens to be self-insured and we, we, we offer family plan automatically. So you get it no matter you want it or not. <laughs> you can't out of our, uh, out of our health and welfare plan. So, you know, making sure the family unit as a whole is healthy is paramount as well. So yes, all family members have access to the program as well. And uh, whether you're eligible or not, even if let's say you're not eligible in the health and welfare plan, if you fall off of eligibility for health and welfare, the MAP program you always still have access to. So we have at least guaranteed six free visits under the MAP program. And then if you need more, I've never turned anybody away. I've been here uh, one more, almost 20 years in this office and, uh, and I'll never will. That's really important to know. Now, what's next? So I know that you mentioned a little bit about the train the trainers, um, mm -hmm. the train the trainer model that's happening. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like moving forward or can, will look like? So we did our first with the leadership of the building trades, the business managers and the field reps. Uh, we had, unfortunately, we had to do it via Zoom because of mm -hmm. the pandemic. 
Uh, so we've been tweaking the program and the modules that we've made, the training modules. We did this in conjunction with the National Building Trades who gave us you know, a grant to develop it through Building Futures uh, and Andrew Cortez and his team. And I know you're gonna have a, a segment on uh, with, with them as well uh, mm -hmm. coming up. So uh, what, the, the, what it'll be now is to implement what we've developed, like I had mentioned a few minutes or so ago, uh, out into the field. Now, whether it be our office staffs here who are our first line of defense, come in and out in the office, our training instructors, our apprenticeship coordinators, our foremans, our stewards, and then our general membership, and then just saturate our, uh, our population in, in the construction industry and our membership uh, with this information. And again, it'll be just like we do with all of our training and our OSHA and our safety stuff, where this will just be uh, be embedded in there going forward for the foreseeable. So right. as people travel around and move from job to job or come in or, or might hear me at a union meeting or uh, come back for, a, for an upgrade or a refresher, there'll be a segment in there as well. Uh, uh, so the, the, beauty, <coughs> the beauty of what we develop uh, via the, uh, the trainings is we can take bits and pieces and, and, and plug it in, you know, five minute toolbox talk, half hour, mm -hmm. uh, maybe apprenticeship upgrade, one hour, three hour, however we want to do it, mm -hmm. off the shelves and use them as we go. And that's going to be our intention. So uh, next step is getting this information now, getting these trainings uh, and, and using these, uh, the, these modules that we've developed, I'll call them training modules and, and, and exercises into the field, into down into the, our membership uh, and, and beyond. On both sides of the, uh, by the way, so not only for the rank and file members, but also for our contractors who employ our members, mm -hmm. the administrative side of, of our business as well, because there, there, there are a lot of people that work, uh, you know, in, in the offices as well that we don't represent. And, and again, this, this, this crisis doesn't discriminate, Rich. Excellent. White, black, it does not matter. It does not matter. Every single person uh, in every single demographic has been affected by this. It does not discriminate. If you get right. a bug, uh, it bites hard and it doesn't care. Privilege, non-privilege, it does not matter. You usually end up in the same place. Absolutely. Well, thank, I want to first thank you so much uh, for taking time to be on here, but I also want to give you the floor for the last few minutes in case there's anything that you'd like to say before we finish up. Uh, I know that we could go on for hours about this. This is a huge topic, um, but would you like to say anything before we conclude? Well, again, I mean, I, I'd just like to commend the rest of the leadership of the building trades. I'm, I'm fortunate to have probably one of the most sophisticated uh, building trade councils in the country. You know, we move as a group pretty good. Uh, and, you know, everybody uh, uh, moving along and, 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 and going in the same direction is the only way that we'll accomplish anything. And, and we always pretty much do the council. So having the buy-in of the leadership, having the buy-in of our contractor associations, having the buy-in and the help and the assistance of uh, Raimundo administration, which she's done with our task force and Tom Cordero, who's done a you know tremendous job leading that. Yeah resources and information um, you know I'm, I'm pleased with the amount of attention that's been brought to this crisis I'm not pleased with the numbers 
but again, this is this is hard stuff. This is not an easy fix, and that's why you know tackling it head on, removing the stigmas from it, uh, and letting men, men and women, uh, you know, who are having uh, issues with addiction and crisis, know that please come forward, and we want to help you. There is a lot of help available. Mm -hmm. Think is, uh, it, it, it is extremely important, but it isn't easy. It's mm -hmm. a very difficult subject matter. So, you know, I've been at it a long time. I know there's still a lot of work to do, but like anything else that we've done in our you know 100 plus year history, we're not going to stop. Right. Uh, it's too important. Our members are uh, our uh, you know our lifeblood, and you know, and that's how you know whatever it takes for us. To, to save one at a time or, or you know, obviously we want to save everybody, uh, they're going to continue to do. So, uh, you know, I don't get frustrated to an extent. Uh, I'd like to see things turn around quicker, but I also know that uh, nothing good uh, to come is easy and it takes hard work and you got to roll up your sleeves. So we're going to continue to do it. And I'm hopeful at some point these numbers will start to come down. And, and, and again, it's just gonna have to be continuing education of people on, on the pitfalls and how easy it is to get tripped up by this, by this epidemic. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and that's what we're gonna continue to do. So I really appreciate you having me on and talking about it because like, you know, it's not an easy subject matter. And unfortunately, it makes a lot of people uneasy to talk about it, even mm -hmm. that might have gotten over an addiction I know some friends that don't want to talk about their past that, that have had issues in the past. So I get it. It's a very emotional subject. It's a very personal subject, but it's also a very deadly subject as well. So, you know, it's, but, but, but it has to be dealt with. And the only way I know how to deal with things, I know you know me, is head on. So that's what we're mm -hmm. going to Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, coming on. I appreciate the work that you're doing, and I commend all the work that you guys are doing to address this. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time because I know there's, it's madness right now. Um, so thank you. Maybe sometime in another couple segments too. Uh, and when we get a little bit further down and we're getting closer to the vaccine, we can talk about the, uh, the pandemic and some of the other things as well. But I appreciate Absolutely. the doing you and the labor vision and getting the information out to not only the, uh, the, uh, the men and women that we represent the AFL, but also the general public. I know a lot of people pay attention to this, uh, this put this uh, this broadcast so you're doing a good job and I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, for those of you who are watching the segment from home, you're watching Labor Vision, the at-home edition. If you've missed any of this important segment with Michael Sabatoni from the Rhode Island Building and Construction Trades Council, you can catch it at our uh, website, which is www.laborvisionri.org. And we hope to see you back here again for the next segment. Have a great night. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Labor Vision. We appreciate your input and encourage your comments. Labor Vision can be seen on this channel three times each week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 8 p.m., and Saturday at 5 p.m.